How many is thankful tonight to be loved by Jesus? I never get tired of singing that song. I tell you, I don't know if my voice is going to make it or not. I'm over there about to cough and everything. I tell you, this whole new thing of playing keyboard and singing has taken me way out of my comfort zone, just to make you aware, trying to practice what I've preached for a long time to get out of your comfort zone. Um, but boy, it makes me more nervous than anything. I'm more nervous than a cat in a room full of rocking chairs when I'm sitting over there. But um, I do the best I can, sing for the Lord. Amen. I enjoy singing about the love of Christ. Take your Bibles, go to Proverbs 17. Proverbs chapter uh, 17 tonight. I'm going to share a very dear verse with you. And keep your Bibles handy. I'm going to have you turn to some uh, verses in Proverbs. But I want you to mark, highlight, write down. They're going to definitely help you uh, throughout your lives. And, um, and we'll encourage you on days that you feel down or discouraged. Um, but Proverbs 17, before we get into this, let's pray tonight. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for uh, the work you're doing in these days in our church, uh, not just our church, but other places, Lord, in our county and churches in our county, uh, Lord, churches throughout our country that are seeking to win the lost. God, you're working, and Lord, I'm thankful uh, for the reports of baptisms, people being saved. Uh, Lord, what a blessing it is today to be a Christian, and Lord, to have the peace of knowing that heaven's my home. Um, God, I thank you for the work you're doing in my own life and heart. Thank you for conviction of sin. Uh, Lord, thank you for forgiveness of sin. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, maturing and growing uh, me each day as I look into your word. Uh, God, I love you. I thank you for all that you do in Christ's name. Amen. Proverbs 17, 22 tonight. Now, shortly after I got saved at the age of 17, by the way, if you're in here tonight and you're under the age of 17, I hope you find Christ and have a relationship with him way before I did. Um, don't wait that long to be all in with Jesus. Um, a lot of wasted years. Um, I didn't necessarily have this rough and tough testimony, but I, I played the game for a long time, and I know there was a lot of wasted time in my life before the age of 17 when I gave my life to Christ. And so if you're in here tonight, it's good to have our young people with us, Coles on vacation. Uh, Look, decide to follow Jesus now. Um, decide to pay attention when you're in here now um, because these, the words of Christ will change your life for the better and give you something worth living for. After I got saved, I knew that God was calling me to preach. It wasn't long after that that I knew the Lord was leading me in that direction. Usually, uh, if you seek counsel and you ask the question to an older, wiser Christian pastor, um, how do you know God's calling me to preach? A lot of the times they're going to look at you and they're going to answer that with this question or say uh, when you're asking that question. <laughs> That's how you know the Lord's calling you. And so God was calling me to preach. And let me be clear, it was God calling me, not my dad pushing me. Y'all knew I grew up in a pastor's home. Dad never put pressure on me to be a pastor. Um, I had found success with Chick-fil-A. He was happy for me in that and, um, and encouraged me in that. Dad did not push me to pastor. It was God calling me. And honestly, I, I don't, Dad gave me the advice, the only one of the things he said growing up was, when you pray about your future, uh, how many know you should do that before you turn the age 18? <laughs> you should pray about your future, kind of have an idea of what you want to do. Uh, you listen to me over here, guys, Braden, Landon, Riley, you, you all paying attention to what I just said, okay? Um, you want to figure that out before you're 18 years old, and Dad, the only thing he would ever say about ministry was, is pray, and when you pray about your future, is pray first, God, do you want me in the ministry? 
That's all I said. That's the first thing you should consider. Pray, do you want me in the ministry? And honestly, I don't ever remember including that in my prayers a whole lot because when Dad told me that I was lost, I was not a believer um, at that point. So I don't remember including it a whole lot or praying a whole lot at all about my future. But I know after I got saved that God began working in my heart and I knew God was calling me to preach. And then after that, I ran for years. I ran until 2012, and I surrendered to the Lord's call to preach uh, in my life. And a time later, Amanda did the same thing. Um, two separate occasions, she came to me all on her own and said, the ministry is where God wants you, I'll follow you wherever you go. How many understand you cannot pastor, preach, minister in the church unless you have the support of your wife? So Amanda's dad began mentoring me and would give me opportunities to preach. And after I would preach, there was, there was an elderly lady named Shirley who always had an encouraging word after the service. And believe me, I knew I preached some duds back then. I know I preach some duds now. I'm my own worst critic. <laughs> and so I, I'm, I'm the first to criticize me, I, I assure you of that. But she would always have an encouraging word after the service. Often she would say, I know one day you're going to make a great pastor. And then she would hug my neck. Sometimes kiss me on the cheek. I know and realize, now listen to me, that's just an elderly lady in the church, retired, coming by the door, encouraging a young man called to the ministry, giving him a hug, saying an encouraging word. But church, I'm here to tell you tonight, I know I am where I'm at in life today because of Miss Shirley. Because of the time she took to just go by the door and encourage a young man. She was an encouragement to me. I'm thankful for those who continue to encourage me. I had someone text me tonight before service and said, I'm looking forward to hearing you preach tonight. Wow. That humbled me. Because y'all hear me every week. It meant a lot to me. Encouraged me. Can I ask you, do you have any Miss Shirley's in your life that you can point to back in your early days? Any Miss Shirley's that came alongside of you and encouraged you, people who seem to always have a kind word, always be able to smile, people who are viewing life through a godly lens. In fact, I would say that 100% of us in this room, whether you want to admit it or not, you are here tonight and you are where you're at in life because of somebody God put in your life to be an encouragement to you. Somebody to come alongside of you and push you in a direction. That's why you're here. But isn't it true that individuals like Miss Shirley are few and far between? And I wrote down the question, why is this? Why is it so much easier to speak up when there's something to be critical of? Something to complain about? I'll give you an example. We go to our favorite restaurant and they mess our order up. We complain to the manager. I'm not implying that it's wrong to get your order corrected or to get the service corrected. But we've been there plenty of times, plenty of times, most of the time they get it right. Most of the time the service is good and pleasant, but yet we never call a leader to compliment the service that we've experienced. Why is that? Well, there's a few reasons why we are often more critical and complaining than we are encouraging. Pride is the first thing. It takes humility to encourage someone else. See, it takes humility to build somebody else up. 
Because from birth, we want to build ourselves up. And so it's almost like if I build somebody else up, then I'm taking a shot at myself and then our insecurity. And, and, and every man in here would agree with this statement. Men are insecure individuals. We battle insecurity on some level. So it's hard to build somebody else up because it may attack our own insecurities about ourselves. Being critical and complaining gives our flesh a feeling of superiority and dominance. Pride is the reason we don't encourage. Immaturity is another reason we don't encourage. We have a spiritually adolescent view of life. That's why we don't encourage other people. Laziness. It's easier to whine and complain. I'll never forget one year. Thankfully, we've not had to deal with this with church basketball or softball here that I know of. Um, Church basketball got so bad one year at my dad's church. Dad said, I'll never coach and pastor the church again. Um, Dad only got thrown out of three or four games that year. And I'm just kidding. He didn't didn't get thrown out of any games. Um, But Dad told the the team, grown men, grown men. Dad was about to bring pacifiers to the game and hand them out because he got tired of their whining and complaining all the time. Immaturity. You have a spiritual adolescent view of life. Laziness is easier to whine and complain. It takes more effort to encourage somebody. It takes intentionality. Entitlement. It's not just, I'm going to understand this true tonight. It's not just young people that are entitled. Adults are entitled. Young people are just following after the the adults in their life. Right. They're just following the, we're hard on the younger generations, but they're just following the adults in their life in most cases. And I know Adults can do well and kids can turn out poorly, and I get all that. Our natural tendency is to be selfish, critical, and complaining. That's who we are naturally. Believers who possess the most wisdom and the most maturity are believers who encourage other people. They transmit joy. They reflect light. They live in the truth. They broadcast hope. Last week, we looked at the foundation of encouragement talking about its definition and its detractors, the enemies of encouragement. Tonight, I want us to see the framework of encouragement. Look at Proverbs 17, 22. Here in this one verse, we find the framework for encouragement. A dear verse to me, it says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. From the outset, here we go. Here it is. Entire sermon in one word. Framework of encouragement is kindness, is kindness. As we build on this foundation, the framework of encouragement is kindness. And so tonight, let's look at three important aspects of kindness and how we all should exhibit it. I want us to notice, number one, the impact of kindness, the impact of kindness. The origin of this Hebrew word in our text, and the NASB translated joyful, and some of yours may be translated a merry heart. The word means to brighten up, to brighten up. Kindness is the heart of encouragement. And in our day and time, right now, at our homes, in our neighborhoods, where we live, kindness is hard to come by. Kindness is hard to see. There are few genuinely kind people any longer. Kindness changes everything it touches. Everything it touches. The person giving it as well as the person receiving it. Kindness changes things. My Paul Paul, who's in heaven today, he has a legacy. He left a legacy of kindness. One of the things talked most about his funeral was his demeanor and his kindness. When you looked at Paul Paul, he always looked joyful. 
Rarely did you find Paul Paul with a scowl on his face, just looking rough. And, and he had a demeanor of kindness. And he lived his life for 80-plus years exhibiting kindness to all people that he met. A legacy of kindness. I want us to notice a couple of things. Kindness comes from a sensitive spirit. It's a gentleness that's hard to understand. Kindness is patience when others are angry. Kindness is, a, is compassion when others are indifferent. Kindness is a way of life that engulfs a person's entire personality. How about this? A kind person doesn't get easily offended. But he or she does defend the hurting. This brings to mind a great question that we need to consider. Am I someone who's easily hurt or offended? Am I someone who's easily hurt or offended? In a world today where the culture has taught us to see how easily manipulated and controlled people can be, they have, they have succeeded in this area of getting men and women to be easily offended over everything. They want you living your life offended. They have no desire to bring people together. None. They have no desire for unity and harmony. They want people against one another. Why? Because if they got you fighting with everybody in your life or offended over everything in your life, then they're just pulling the wool over your lies and there's stuff that's passing through Washington that you never know about. I'm just telling the truth. This attitude of being easily offended certainly has made its way into the church. Psalms 119, 165 says this. Hey, write this verse down. Make it a part of your life. Put it somewhere where you can see it. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing will offend them. Literally, they have no stumbling blocks. Nothing causes them to stumble. Those who love the law of God have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. You see, people with thin skin usually don't make it very far in life. They don't make it far in life of serving God and serving others. When people get involved in the ministry of our church, I prepare them for what ministry's like. Ministry's difficult. People are insensitive and say things sometimes without realizing it. That cut deep, that hurt. You got to be tough in ministry. You got to have thick skin. You got to be a kind person. You can't be easily offended in ministry. Often easily offended, they take their hurts home and they quit. That's what happens. Kindness comes from a sensitive spirit, but I want you to notice also kindness heals. Now go to Proverbs 11 with me. I, asked you, I told you I was going to have you flip around to some of these verses. Proverbs 11, and look at verse 17. Proverbs 11, 17. Now notice what the first part of this verse says. The merciful man, Proverbs eleven seventeen, the merciful man does himself good. Here we see the word merciful, the Hebrew word hesed, loving kindness, a great translation of that word. A kind man does himself good. Kindness is a benefit to yourself. Kindness literally helps sustain your physical, emotional, and mental health. Did you realize that? Literally. Doctors will tell you that anger, hostility, bitterness, vengefulness, and vindictiveness have a profound medical effect on your body, your spirit, your mind. The Bible's got the answer. Again, our text verse, a joyful heart 
is like what? Good medicine. Kindness heals. Hey, you know what? You know, if we battle emotional moods and 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 uh, and the, all the the mental things we battle today. Look, I get it. I, I understand. A lot would change in our life. We'd just be kind, even when we don't feel like it. A lot would change in our life. A lot of healing would take place. Your perspective would change. Your joy would, would increase. Your sadness would diminish if we would just learn to be kind. How many understand the Bible keeps it simple and we make it complicated? Kindness is a medicine that Christians are to dispense to the world. Look at Proverbs 16. Flip over to 16 and look at verse 24. It says, pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Isn't that incredible? Healing to the bones. Pleasant means kind words. Look, kindness heals marriages. Kindness heals strife-torn families. Kindness heals personal wounds. Learn to reject every unkind word, every response in unkindness, every unkind accusation. Learn to reject those things that the the devil likes to feed into your life to destroy your health, not only physically and mentally, but spiritually. But kindness heals. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. But kindness makes the man attractive. Literally, look, kindness changes the way you look. (laughs) Kindness changes how you look. Kindness makes you attractive. As you grow older, the more visible becomes either the hardness, now listen to this, either the hardness of your spirit or the kindness of your heart. Kind people don't have to say a word. Their very faces tell the story of their kindness. Kindness produces respect. In Proverbs 21, 21, you can go there uh, with me. Proverbs 21 and verse 21, write these down, highlight them. It says in verse 21 of chapter 21, He who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. Here we find a man in Proverbs 21 who's seeking to do what's right. Listen, right in the sight of God, not the sight of men. How many understand what's right in the sight of men today is far different than what's right in the sight of God? Here's a guy in Proverbs 21 wanting to do what's right in the sight of God, not men. But he finds more than he expects. In his pursuit, this man who seeks mercy also invests in love. The root of the meaning of mercy, as it's used in this verse, as we just pointed out earlier in Proverbs 11, is hesed, loving kindness. This proverb is saying that a man who follows after law and love is dear to the heart of God, and they also find a life of honor if you read it in its entirety. If you want to be respected by others, be a man or woman of right living and kindness. Kindness changes the way you respond to your enemies. In Proverbs 25 and verse 21, you can keep flipping with me if you you are up to it. Proverbs 25 and verse 21 says this, If your enemy is hungry, tell him to get lost. 
That was the wrong spot to say, man, brother. If your enemy, <laughs> what version? Make sure y'all paying attention. Y'all, y'all doing pretty good. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. Isn't that incredible? You see, the Bible expects things of us that we really can't do without the help of the Holy Spirit. We really can't. And here we see that if your enemy's hungry, give, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Enemies are those who abuse you and manipulate you and malign you and misunderstand you, misrepresent you, and seek to damage your reputation. Those are your enemies. Feed them. Give them something to drink. God's Spirit in you does not retaliate. Look, one of the hardest yet most valuable lessons God will teach you is to let your character speak. Follow the model of Christ who could have defended himself and won when he was on trial before the cross. But the Bible tells us he didn't open his mouth. Don't defend yourself. It's hard. It is hard not to defend yourself. Our natural tendency when we are accused, when something is said about us, when, oh, that's not right, we want to defend ourselves. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just be kind. Love those who are against you. Pray for those who are against you. Be kind. Be compassionate. Trust in the Lord. Pray for those who use you. Matthew 5 says this, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Jesus said, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Remember that biblical kindness does not hold grudges, has an incredibly short memory when offenses are involved, does not retaliate, is not angry or hostile, is calm, patient, relaxed, and forgiving as a characteristic of the nature and the heart of God. Be kind. This is the framework of being an encourager. Be kind. We've looked at the impact of kindness. I want you to notice number two, the intention of kindness. Did you realize that in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, that this verse we've taught to our kids for decades upon decades, that the Bible commands us to be kind? Commands us to be kind. It says to be kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Think about the weight of that verse. Again, how we cannot do that without the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why when you go over to Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul says, and be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. Don't be controlled by your flesh, but be controlled by the Spirit. You see, if you fail to be kind, you fail to obey God. Because kindness is obedience. Kindness is who He's called all of us to be. If you fail to be kind, you will fail to impact and inspire other people. It's, an impo- it's impossible to be an encouragement without kindness. I've never tried to brush my teeth while eating an Oreo, but I imagine it's kind of the same thing. It's impossible. To be kind, to, to be an encouragement rather without being kind. The ultimate intention of kindness is to be obedient to God. If you back up a couple of verses in Ephesians 4.29 and let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, wouldn't that help a lot of us? Wouldn't that help a lot of families and marriages? 
and, and sibling relationships, church relationships. It would have a lot of pastors. It helps me. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that you will minister what? Grace to the hearers. Does your speech that you say to the people you come into contact with each day of your life, does it minister grace to them? Grace to the hearers. Look, the ultimate intention of kindness is obedience. Obedience to God. Because the Bible also not only commands us to be kind, but the Bible instructs us to be encouragers. In Proverbs 25, 11 and 12, it says this. Another great, look, write these down. Go to them and read them. Like apples of gold, verse 11 in chapter 25, like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. In Proverbs 12, 25, it says this. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Hey, isn't it just true that the Bible speaks that an encouraging word can do wonders in the life of somebody? Kind of like that small little encouragement Miss Shirley was to me in most of our minds, and mine at the time, just a small word of encouragement that took a young man a long way toward reaching his calling where God wanted him to be. A word of encouragement can do wonders. One little elderly lady said a word of, just one word of encouragement can keep me going for two months. Word of encouragement. Look, I challenge you to look for heavy hearts and ways to make them glad. Look for heavy hearts and ways to make them glad. You have the power of spirit-led words to do such things for others, to do wonders in the lives of people just through encouragement. Here are some guidelines to get us started in this practice of encouragement. Encourage those who minister with you or those that you disciple. In Deuteronomy 138, but Joshua the son of Nun, which stands before you, he shall go in, uh, he shall go in there, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. In Deuteronomy 3, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you shall see. Joshua received encouragement from his mentor. Encourage those you minister with, those who minister to you. Encourage yourself. Encourage yourself. In 1 Samuel 30, it's, we, we learn that David was distressed. We've been there. We've been distressed in our lives and discouraged. We know maybe what David felt in this moment because the people, now listen to this, and I don't think we've, I don't know that we can identify with this. David was distressed because the people were going to stone him. People were talking about stoning him. And because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Look, encourage those who minister to you, those you minister with, but also encourage yourself. Encourage those needing support. In 2 Chronicles 31, we read these words in verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. Encourage those needing support. 
encourage those needing to return to a state of obedience. We just read Proverbs 25, 12, reprover means to judge, plead, or rebuke. Look, stop right here and say this. Don't want to chase it too long. This whole idea, don't you judge me, that's not, that, that's not of God. You understand what I'm saying? That's not of God. We are told to judge one another, but we are told to do it rightly. We're told to first remove what? The log that's in your own eye. And then you'll see clearly to remove the speck that's in your brother's eye. In Galatians 6, the Apostle Paul said that if someone's overtaken in a fault, it says what? You which are spiritual, walking with God, spirit-led, you which are spiritual, restore such a one, considering yourself. Because Paul also said, though a man thinks he stands, he better take heed because he could fall. The word reprover in Proverbs 25, 12 means to judge, plead, or rebuke. In other words, this place, uh, in other places, this word is translated rebuke, correct, plead, reason, chasten. Encourage those needing to return to a state of obedience. Encourage those needing to produce harmony. In Isaiah 41, beginning of verse 5, the isles saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near, and came. They helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smooths with the hammer, him that strikes the anvil, saying it is ready for the soldering, and he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. Encourage those needing to produce harmony. I want you to notice not only the impact of kindness, the intention, but let's look at lastly the inspiration of kindness. The inspiration of kindness. Now, some of us may feel inadequate to, as to what to say. You know, again, kindness is not a part of our natural bent or, or nature. I mean, some of us may be more outgoing, maybe more of an extrovert. It's easier for us to talk to people um, than others. Um, that's a personality thing, but kindness, uh, as the Bible defines it, is not something we find very natural, any of us find very natural in our lives. And we often feel inadequate as to what to say when someone's having a hard time. How do I encourage? We just went through some guidelines on who to encourage and maybe how to encourage them. Some may say, I just don't have an encouraging word. I don't, you know, we just simply don't know how or know what to say. Here are six of the most encouraging words ever written to you and me. The first one is salvation. Many of us have forgotten why we're here tonight. Most believers, I believe, in America have forgotten why they exist. And that's to proclaim the good news to those that are broken and despondent and hurting. There's desperate people in Lincolnton that desperately need someone to care enough to speak the word salvation to them to tell them how they can be saved. Are you thankful tonight that you're saved? If you are, then you'll tell somebody else. We'll put feet to that, that thankfulness. You see, you know, I'm thankful that, that the Lord forgives me. I'm thankful that I'm already pleasing. Isn't that a great truth? I'm already accepted. I'm not working to earn salvation. Isn't that a, man, a weight lifted, right? Because Jesus paid the price, Amen. He paid the price. We don't work for salvation. We don't uh, have to do enough religious deeds to outweigh our bad deeds so we go to heaven. That's not how it works. I'm thankful the blood of Jesus covers all sin and that when I was 17 years old that Jesus saved me because I put faith in Him and there's nothing I've done since then 
for Jesus to reject me or to say, I don't want you no more. No sin I've committed has caused him to walk away from me. We still battle the flesh after salvation. However, I don't work to be saved. I work because I am saved. Because the love of Christ motivates me to godliness. It motivates me to holiness. It motivates me to impact people's lives with the gospel. Because if I'm really thankful for what Jesus did for me, because how many understand tonight we all deserve hell? That's the truth of the matter. If God were fair, people often say, well, God, you know, he's just not fair. I'm thankful he's not, because if he was, I'd go to hell. Because it wasn't fair for Jesus to die on the cross for my sin and yours. I'm thankful to be saved. And if I'm genuinely thankful, then I'm going to share that with other people because I know how it liberated me when I was 17. My only concern is not my family. My concern is every person I meet on the street. Salvation, the most encouraging word humanity has ever been given. Comfort. Is another encouraging word. The Holy Spirit's name is Comforter. We have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who never leaves us, never forsakes us. Now, you can't change a person's circumstances. None of us have the power to do that, but you can change their perspective. You can share something with them that will help them in their moment of need. You can remind them that no one walks alone. And when Jesus is your friend, when Jesus is your master, your Lord, you never walk alone. Another encouraging word is the word completion. How many are thankful God finishes what He starts? He's a man of His word. Jonah's a good illustration of completion. Had a rough time, didn't he? But God finished it. God brought it to completion. Look, it's not too late to be transformed and empowered even when you run from God and you're defiant toward God like Jonah was. God started something in your life when you got saved. And you might be running tonight. You might be stiffing God tonight. But God's not through with you and He will complete what He wants to do in your life. God works His purposes and His power in your life as you yield to Him. Some say, well, I've not been faithful. And my reply is, God is faithful. (laughs) God's been faithful. The fourth word is sovereignty. Romans 8, 28, a verse we often, we just look, we take this for granted. We get tired of hearing this verse. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Let me remind us what that means. All things include your tragedies. All things include your, your parents. All things include your children, your enemies. All things include your mistakes and successes, failures, your frustrations, your past. This even equips you. Look. All of the stuff we endure in our life, God can take it and use it for good to equip us for the ministry that He's called us to in a special way. We can encourage others by telling them that God desires to use them. You don't have to live in the past, but you can focus on the future that God has for you. A fifth word of encouragement is return. The word return. How many understand tonight that are saved? There's nothing wrong with getting excited about Jesus' return. The fact he's coming back again because he's going to finish what he started. 
How many understand tonight he's not coming as a lamb ready for the slaughter? He's coming as a lion ready to set things in order. King of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus is coming for his children. Paul tells us to comfort, encourage one another with these words, he said. And how about this word, the word heaven? Isn't that an encouraging word to share with somebody? See, Jesus is preparing a place for all of us that are His, and one day it'll be our home. You know, a lot of us aren't excited about heaven because we have, a, we have this, this elementary knowledge of heaven, what the Bible teaches about heaven. Because somehow we've bought into the, the idea, maybe throughout our, our lives as Christians, that the Bible just doesn't have a whole lot to say about heaven. But the Bible has a lot to say about heaven. The Bible speaks about heaven in many terms that are relatable to us, that we know what they are. We know what a garden is. We know what a city is. Can I, let me ask you a question. Somebody shout out an answer. What's, what's in cities? People? What else? Food? Amen. Amen. You're a good free meal Baptist, or free will Baptist. What else? What's in cities? Buildings. Streets. We know what cities are. So why do, we, why do we make these things so distant when the Bible describes heaven as a garden, as a city? But the Bible talks about the animals that will be there. How, our heaven, how heaven is going to be on the, centered on the new earth. He's going to come down and dwell with us, be our God, will be His people. We know what the earth is. But, but imagine it in a perfect state. Nothing dead. Everything lush, lively, green. No more pollution. No more allergies. Somebody say amen. You walk outside. If you just allow yourself to be still just for a moment and close your eyes and just have a moment with God and hear creation around you, and as best you know how, as hard as it is, because we, we can't in our finiteness, we just can't imagine it perfect. But we can try. And imagine everything in its perfect condition. And living there for all eternity. You get a glimpse of what your eternal home is going to be like. The Bible has a lot to say about heaven. Heaven's an encouraging word to share with somebody else. Heaven's something we need to get excited over. And encourages our hearts. Look, the framework of encouragement is kindness. Tonight we've talked about the impact of kindness, the intention of kindness, and the inspiration of kindness. Can I challenge every person here between now and Sunday to do all you can? Ask God, Lord, help me as we close tonight in prayer. I want you to pray. Say, God, help me this week for the rest of this week to exhibit kindness to everyone that makes eye contact with me, that I come into contact with, I want to exhibit kindness. Lord, even those that annoy me, even those that are, that are against me, even those I may run into that I know don't like me, God, help me to exhibit kindness. And watch how God uses it. It may not change the person you're being kind to, but it'll change you. Let's stand together tonight for prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word and the challenge tonight to be kind. Lord, a joyful heart is like good medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones.